Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources. Today, filling in for Boyd Matheson, you have Mara Carabello and Taylor Morgan. Taylor, we're going to talk about a local issue that happened that is just breaking my heart. So uh, 30 years later, the Bees Baseball Stadium is leaving Salt Lake City and going to daybreak. So congratulations, South Jordan. Um, And it's leaving its former home looking much the way it did from many people's eyes, as it did three decades ago. Um, So we want to talk about a great column uh, that we read this week about what makes, you know, an anchor project more developable? Like, does a baseball stadium increase value and activity and action in a developable area? Um, How can we reimagine the Bees baseball team or the area that the ball park is now? How can we reimagine those things? And who led our thinking about this was Jay Evenson from the Deseret News. He's the senior editorial columnist, and he wrote an article this uh, week entitled 30 Years Later, Salt Lake City's Ballpark Neighborhood Never Hit a Home Run. Jay Evenson, thanks for joining us today on Inside Sources. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, Jay, you in your piece go back, you take us back 30 years ago, uh, to uh, when Mayor Didi Corradini, mayor of Salt Lake City at the time, uh, laid out her vision uh, for this uh, site where the ballpark is now. And it, this vision not only included a modern mi- minor league baseball stadium, but all kinds of businesses and housing and development. Really, the concept back then 30 years ago, as uh, she described it, was to create a, a true destination in the heart of a of growing Salt Lake City. Where did it go wrong? Jay, what happened? <laughs> well, one of the great advantages of being older is that you remember things. And I was actually, I was there and I, I was covering this issue. And as I mentioned in, in my column, Dee Dee said she, she envisioned the stadium being uh, d- defining the south, south end of downtown. And as you mentioned, all kinds of economic development. Now, you have to put that in some context. She was really trying to get some funding from Salt Lake County and from the state legislature to help with the city's funding mm-hmm. to, to build this new stadium. And this is what happens time and time again in cities, is that people oversell uh, these stadiums in order to secure that kind of funding. They promise all kinds of economic development and, and the uh, the infamous multiplier effect of, uh, of uh, people coming to these games. And we never really go back later and hold them accountable for that. And I thought, gee, you know, I, I've uh, been covering this for 30 years, and the neighborhood doesn't look a whole lot different now than it did then. Yeah. You know, a, a stadium, a baseball stadium is, is active maybe 70, 75 nights uh, out of the year. Uh, the rest of the time, it's just sitting there, and it's not producing anything. And if, if you're an owner of a restaurant or a pub, you're not going to want to locate next to that kind of a place unless you have some kind of a year-round uh, draw that, that can help you every night of the year. Who wants to sell food 77 nights a year? I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. 
Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah. Well, okay, so I... I have been. I love the ballpark. The ballpark is beautiful, and oh, I agree. The area surrounding it is is not. Just to be frank, so where was the breakdown? Did did the city uh, drop the ball, so to speak, in terms of stopping at the stadium and not continuing uh, to take steps and to incentivize uh, private investment and businesses coming around the ballpark? Even recently, it's my understanding that the city has uh, been unwilling or unresponsive in uh, upgrades or uh, solutions to the area. Where did this break down? Do we have any idea? Well, it's, it, it broke down in the location that was uh, that they built the stadium because, in order for this, and I talked to a lot of economists around the country who study this kind of thing, and they say, you know, stadium like that to really be successful. It should be downtown, and it should be surrounded by other entertainment venues, and the city should should use its uh, RDA funds or whatever mechanism they have to um, build projects around it, you know, commercial retail, housing projects that can create a sort of synergy around a stadium as an anchor. Well, the city really didn't have the money to do that at 13 South and West Temple, it's too far away from from that type of, of synergistic uh, activity. So I think the problem was now you you have to give Dee Dee some credit. She wanted a downtown stadium, but she ran into all kinds of opposition everywhere she turned. Uh, people didn't want the noise. There, the residents in the area. Um, there were some historical um, considerations. She wanted it at Pioneer Park. Well, that's one of the first settlements of the pioneers when they came to the valley, and there were a lot of people that didn't want that turned into a stadium. And I, I guarantee you if they'd started digging a foundation there, they would have run into old pioneer graves and some mm-hmm. things that would have stopped it cold. So she wanted that, but the pressure was there to, to, to put it out where the stadium was. And frankly, it's good for the neighborhood because it gives the neighborhood an identity. And secondly, it, I agree with you, it's a beautiful stadium. It's charming. It's won all kinds of awards for its beauty and, and the views that you get from from the stands. Um, and so that, you know, we had now we're probably going to tear it down, and that's not good either. No, <laughs> but and so I think we, yeah, go ahead. So Jay, my lessons learned on this point to what I hope we don't repeat, and it is that what we know is that if you view anything, whether that's a, a an auditorium, an amphitheater, a ballpark, as a standalone draw, you fail. But a city has to choose a hub. They have to choose transit. They have to choose entertainment. Just as Jay's saying, you have to create a district. 30 years ago, we didn't have the population. I would argue maybe that Salt Lake City does have the population to have more than one entertainment center. You see that in Sugar House and downtown. But I hope we don't repeat the sins of the past by getting one big idea for ballpark and then not supporting it over the years. Mm. You know, I mean, what you didn't see is you saw an initial investment and not the opportunity to follow up. My comparison, and this isn't fair because it's Major League Baseball, was that downtown Denver actually anchored their lower development with Coors Field, with the with the Rockies ball field, but they continued to invest. Um, I want to maybe 
push this a little and say, you know, we've heard um, we come to our current mayor, Mayor Mendenhall. She made a commitment, I think, just yesterday about what would happen in the ballpark. I was a little worried because, to be honest, one hundred million dollars is not the largest investment we have. Our, our public safety building costs more than that. Eccles Theater costs more than that. I, I think that's a, a drop in the hat for really reinventing an area. But what do you say in terms of to, to your point? You have the broadest perspective. What are the sins of the past you don't want us to do um, and fail at again or, or repeat? Well, if you, if you look at, at, at sports venues around the country, they always try to hold cities hostage. You know, if you don't get us a new arena, we're going to leave town. <laughs> and that, that's been happening ever since the Brooklyn Dodgers in the late 1950s. And, I, you know, I think, I think what we learned from this is that, that we need to be very skeptical of anybody who has claims and, and this might happen in the future. As you mentioned, Salt Lake's growing. Uh, we could see a Major League Baseball team want to come here or an NFL team or maybe a hockey team. Uh, and so we're going to be facing this kind of thing again. I think we have to be smart. We have to look at what other cities have done. But we also have to realize that in most cases, even with a Major League park, you're doing nothing more than shifting around money within a community. It's, it's what economists call the substitution effect. People have so much money they're going to spend on leisure activity. And so you're, you're taking that away from maybe a movie theater or, or a bowling alley and putting it in a, in a park because you're going to be attracting people to do that instead. So I think we need to be very careful and, 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 and I would say exact money from the private entity, the team, to, uh, to pay for the park. And, and apparently the Midlers are going to be using private money for their South Jordan uh, ballpark, which I was happy to see. We don't know all the details yet. And to your point on the $100 million, uh, we don't know the details on that either. Um, it is a, it's a neighborhood on the brink, and it yeah. was 30 years ago. Yeah, and, thank you so um, much, Jay. We have to wrap it there. Jay Evanson, Deseret News Senior Editorial Columnist. Thank you for joining Inside Sources. Listeners, stick around. We have a great conversation next about congressional hearings on Ticketmaster. KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on the KSL News Radio app and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news.